Bibles, Revelation chapter 3. We'll look at the church of Philadelphia this morning. Jesus is writing letters to the churches that were in Asia Minor through the Apostle John, who was on the Isle of Patmos at the time. And John was writing these letters, and they were different letters to those seven churches there in modern-day Turkey. And different letters written to each individual church. And we've looked, this is going to be number six, uh, the church at Philadelphia. Uh, this was an interesting church. They were a church that uh, was enduring some great hardship. And I feel like this is a very timely message for me. This was a tough one for me to study through. And uh, things that are going on in our church, uh, a lot of folks struggling. A lot of folks having uh, family issues and uh, people passing on and sicknesses and hospitals and just remembering trials and struggles. It's been rough. Uh, so this, I think, is a very appropriate time for us to look at uh, Revelation chapter 3, uh, the letter to the church at Philadelphia. Um, around that area, was the, it was the city of Al-Sahir is where the church was. And in that day, that part of the world was plagued by earthquakes over and over and over again. Uh, so much so, it actually became a very good place to grow wine and other vegetables because when the volcanoes blew, the ash would settle down on the ground and it actually fertilized the ground and made pretty much anything grow there. Anything you wanted to plant could grow there. But these things uh, were going off so often, they would act, there was a 20-year period there where they would actually were trying to rebuild their homes, and then another one would go off, and those homes would fall, and then they'd rebuild, and another one would go off, and they would fall again back about A.D. 17, I believe. That's when all that happened, and uh, just got leveled over and over and over again. And the emperor in that day was Tiberius, and... Uh, he actually told the city, this is how bad it had gotten there. He told the city, you guys are struggling so hard to rebuild. You know what? You don't have to pay taxes till you get rebuilt. Now, can you imagine that today? <laughs> Government just says, hey, y'all don't even pay your taxes. That's okay. Y'all just take care of yourself for a little while. But it, that's how bad it got. But also think about those folks in Philadelphia around that church there and what they were dealing with, that 20-year time span. They would just get things built back up a little bit to watch them crumble instability was normal their life was just in unstable all the time and uh, nothing they could do about it they just learned to live with it uh, back in the 80s 90s early late 70s early 80s when I was growing up uh, we grew up in that uh, time where you know everybody just thought anybody could hit the button and the world would be over uh, oh, but if it happened during school, you could go out in the hall and put your head over your head and you'd be okay if you, as long as you're in a hall like that. A nuclear war wouldn't get you. Uh, Eli, my son, asked me that about that before. He said, how did you live that way? Just thinking it could happen at any moment. Uh, it's just normal. It's just life. You speak to somebody who lives in Palestine and Israel right now and gunfire and people being shot and stuff, we, we would think, how do you live through that? And to them... It's just life. It's just the way it is. These people were used to earthquakes rattling the foundations. They were used to 
looking out the window and, and seeing broken pillars and roofs caved in and, and just brokenness and devastation. Uh, that's what they were their experience was over and over again. And, and you know, as I got to reading this and thinking about that, in our own personal lives, we have earthquakes that take place. We get shook. You ever had your foundation shaken in this life? Uh, whether it's family, uh, health, finances, uh, things can happen that in a moment it seems like and just whoosh, shake and everything's rubble. Everything you thought you had going for it, just leveled and gone. How do you rebuild your life after things fall apart? How do you do that? How do you keep going when all you see is rubble and you rebuild and then it's rubble and you rebuild and it's rubble? How, how often do you go? How many times do you How do you put the pieces back together? That's the question the church at Philadelphia was wrestling with. And, and that's why Jesus writes to them. He says in Revelation 3, starting in verse 7, to the angel or the messenger or the preacher, teacher, the church in Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For if you, for you have a little strength, I've kept my word and have not denied my. And have, I'm sorry, you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, first off, this, interestingly enough, talks about this church having a little strength. The church in Philadelphia, history tells us, was made up of maybe two dozen people. Chances are closer to a dozen, but... We'll err on the side of caution and say maybe two dozen people. was not a large church at all. Uh, very few people went to this church. and uh, So it was a small church. And what they did in those days, the fledgling New Testament churches would actually meet in Jewish synagogues because the Christians who were the Christ followers who had trusted Christ thought they were Jews because Jesus was a Jew and he had come out of the Jewish religion and and a lot of the followers, the first followers of Jesus were Jews, and he had kept all the commandments, he had fulfilled all the prophecies. So they would actually, thinking themselves as Jews, would go to the synagogue and ask to meet there, and the synagogues often left them. And they'd all gathered there, and been sort of developed into the synagogue, and they would uh, go to the synagogue and worship. But then you see this term here, the synagogue of Satan. They may have thought themselves Jews, but the Jewish leaders did not see them as Jews, okay? Uh, when they started learning what was being taught, learning what they believed, uh, the Jews 
saw them as a cancer. And what do you do to cancer? You cut it out, right? And they were actually getting rid of those people that were a part of those churches that were meeting in the New Testament synagogue or the synagogues there uh, in New Testament times anyway. They actually threw the Christians out. Um, this caused their worlds to fall apart, their, their lives to crumble. They often lost their jobs. Their families cut ties with them. Uh, when they left the Jewish faith, they couldn't even be buried in Jewish cemeteries anymore. I mean, they were just cut off completely. And often their family would look at them and, and say, you're dead to us, you're dead to me, you're not a part of the family anymore. So this is a little church, a couple dozen Christians. They've been cut off from their family. They've been cut off from their jobs. The door has been shut in so many different ways. And if that wasn't bad enough, in the Roman world in this time, you had to bow to Caesar and make the statement often, Caesar is Lord. Now, any Christian knows that we do not believe Caesar is Lord because Jesus is Lord. Problem they had was everybody in those cities had to say Caesar is Lord except Jews. Jews were allowed to say whatever. They were, they were exempted out of that. But what happened when Christians got kicked out of the Jewish temples and kicked out of all that? Well, now they had to say Caesar is Lord again. They were underneath more persecution than we could actually imagine uh, in this day and age. So here we are, the Church of Philadelphia, experiencing all kinds of persecution, heartbreaks, um, overwhelmed would be a good word to describe how these people were living, what they were going through. Uh, they weren't going to worship Caesar because they believed Jesus was Lord. They were being persecuted. Many of them had started businesses and lost their businesses. Uh, many of them, their whole life was pretty much gone. Uh, everything was taken from them by the Roman authorities. Many of them were kicked out of schools and kicked out of cities and put in jail. Uh, some tortured, many even killed because of their faith in Christ. So that's what it meant to follow Jesus at the church in Philadelphia, okay? That's what they were having to deal with. We often think, oh no, time change is going to kill attendance, okay? These people went to church to worship the Lord and they were being kicked out of everything. Every door was being closed. They had a heart for the Lord. Uh, but they were living things out the best way they could. They were doing the best that they could, uh, following the Lord the best they, they, they saw and... Uh, they decided, we're going to trust the Lord, we're going to do what Jesus says, no matter what anybody else says. And the Bible says here, Jesus saw their suffering. He says, see, I placed before you an open door. You've got all these doors closing around you. I've opened up a door. I've opened a door for you. The synagogue may have closed its doors. Society and authority and government may have closed its doors. But I've got an open door. And all you've got to do is walk in. <laughs> We serve, friends, we serve a whosoever God. Whosoever will may come. When we, The faith that you've got to have to serve the Lord and come to Him is the faith you've got like standing in front of the door at Walmart. You just walk up to the door and it opens up. It won't open until you walk up to it. But once you walk up to that door, it'll open up and accept anybody, won't it? That's our God. You come to Him on His terms. You step up on His terms into His presence and ask for His salvations and, and that door will open up and He'll welcome you in no matter who you are. It's not about where you're at. It's about where He's going to take you, where you're going to go from here. So it doesn't matter where you're starting, it's where you finish. And He's saying, you're in this place and all these doors are closing, your life is in shambles, everything is up in the air, 
You're overwhelmed because everybody's against you. Jesus is saying, I am for you. They close doors. I open doors. And the door I open, no man will ever close. They won't ever close. You've got access to me whenever you want it, friend. You've got access to our God anytime you want it. You can come boldly before the throne of grace desiring help in times of need. We don't have to wait for Sunday. We can go to the Lord at any time. He's there with His open door policy. We have all these earth-shaking events that happen in our lives that, that shake us to our core. And we can look around and see just rubble and brokenness and people having their hearts broken all the time. And we wonder sometimes, what do we do with all this? How do we work through all this? And I don't know what the earthquake is for you. Maybe earthquake's a bad uh, uh, or thing to talk about to compare here. Maybe we ought to say tornadoes. We understand those, don't we? They just whoosh, blow through and, and everything's just gone. Maybe you had a job and lost it. Maybe you built a business up and lost it. Maybe you made a bad decision. Maybe you look at me this morning and say, Brother Mike, you don't understand. My life is in shambles and all I can say is it was my fault. I made the choice. I made a bad decision and I have caused everything to fall apart. I trusted the wrong person. I invested in the wrong thing. I went the wrong direction. I made the wrong decision. And now I'm sitting in rubble. My life is just broken. What do I do? What do I do? God's door is always open. No matter what doors close here. When Jesus said all the other doors around you are closed, I've left a door open. I've left a door open for you. And for Jesus... The open door that He offers to us, the open door that He offered to the church in Philadelphia is salvation. He offers a rescue. He offers a new name, a new identity, a new way of life. Jesus opens this door and says, all you got to do is walk in. Just walk through. And they were able to move forward through that door. You know, the church at Philadelphia here, they're the second church out of these seven to receive no condemnation from Jesus, no uh, uh, words of discourage and, and get this straightened out. All Jesus gives them is words of encouragement and comfort because they were suffering, and they, but they had learned to suffer well. They'd learned to suffer well, and that's a lesson that we all need to learn especially in America, sometimes we uh, think that because we couldn't find a parking spot close to the front door of the store, we're suffering in America, okay? That's not the kind of suffering we're talking about, okay? Getting hung up in the traffic and, and having to take 30 minutes to get through town instead of... That's not suffering, guys. That's an inconvenience, okay? That's not suffering. Jesus mentions in verse 10, if you'll look, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So Jesus is encouraging this church, this faithful church, not that they were perfect. Nobody in the church is perfect. Nobody. This is not a perfect church. I always say this is a perfect place for imperfect people. Because we're all that way, okay? But they had uh, a lot of things going for them. They had a lot of things right. They were trying to hold on to Jesus and not deny Him. They weren't bowing to Caesar. They were standing for the Lord. And, and he's, they're trying to live the way He wanted them to live. And He's trying to encourage them. And He's leading them into this new way of living. And uh, He says right there in front of their face, He says, I will keep you from the hour. It's interesting, that, that phrase, keep you from the hour, can also be translated, I'll be with you in the hour. Okay? So in other words, God's going to be with you no matter what. Are you suffering? You feel alone? 
you're not. You're not alone. God's there. So this church understood all their families had abandoned them. Their jobs have, caught, have fired them and cut them loose and, and, and got rid of them. All these doors are closing. But not only is Jesus offering an open door, He's offering His presence. He has not left them. He hasn't abandoned them. He has not kept them at arm's length. He's telling them, you might have got kicked out of the synagogue. You might have got kicked out of the city. But I'll never kick you out. You will always be welcome with me. All the persecution they'd experienced, all the pain they were going through, He was with them through it all. They never had to worry that they were alone because Jesus was with them. And He, by being with them, He enabled them to endure what they were going through, to endure the houses being destroyed, to endure the friends turning their backs and the family uh, cutting them out of their lives and authorities uh, trying to stomp them out and get rid of them. They were able to endure because Jesus was with them. And friend, if you're a saved child of God, you can endure if you have nothing but Jesus because He is there. When you have nothing else, you understand how deep the phrase, Jesus is all I need, really is. Because He is. Without Him, where would we be? Well, we got to be honest, right? I mean, we got in this life. Let's can we just be real? Suffering is going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen. It's a given. You will suffer uh, if you're looking for somebody that preaches and teaches that suffering will never happen. You, you're not looking for a Bible teacher because the Bible teaches. Jesus said, "In this world, you will suffer, but be not dismayed. I've overcome this world." Okay, so that's where our focus needs to be. Suffering will occur. You are going to suffer. But the choice is, will you suffer well or will you suffer not so well? Suffering, guys, suffering can either be a greenhouse where your faith grows or it can be a graveyard where your faith dies. What are you going to make it as you're suffering? Are you going to throw your hands up and say, forget the Lord, forget Church, forget God. I'm going to go do my thing because I was better off myself. Jesus spoke of those people. He said when they went out from us that way, they went out from us because they weren't of us. Will your suffering be a graveyard or a greenhouse? Will you grow or will you just let it all die there? When these earthquakes happen and our lives are left to rubble, what do we do? Will our faith thrive? Will our faith die? What's going to happen? You're going through suffering right now. I'm going a hard time right now. I'm having trouble. My faith could die or it could thrive. And maybe I'm just... Just pull over and park here for a minute. Maybe I'm odd thinking. But this is the way I look at my suffering. The devil's out to get me. You understand that? You can put yourself in... He's out to get you. He wants to kill me because he can't take me to hell. He just seemed to cut my life off. Every day I have, every breath I take is because God looks at Satan and says, not yet. So Satan can't take me to hell. If he can't kill me, what can he do? He can make me miserable. So if he can cause things to happen in my life that makes me miserable, and his, his, real, his, his underlying desire, since he can't take me to hell because I'm a child of God, what he can do is try to pull me away from God while I'm here. He can hurt my relationship with God. So if he can do something in my life that will cause me to pull away from God, my thinking is, why wouldn't he continue to do that? So my perspective is this. If something can happen, if something bad happened, if some sort of suffering, some sort of uh, earthquake happens in my life, if his desire is to get me away from God, 
if every time I automatically draw closer to God and hang tighter to God and let that drive me to God, Satan's not stupid. <laughs> I wonder, will he stop one day? <laughs> if it's backfiring on him all the time and all it's doing is making me get closer to God, maybe he'll quit. I don't know. Is that theologically uh, provable in the Bible? No. <laughs> That's why I said we're going to pull up. That's my thinking. That's just the way I look at it. Is your faith going to thrive or is it going to die? Now, that's a principle we can find in the Scripture. We need to let our faith thrive. They'd seen all this earthquake, and they were looking around thinking, well, is God mad at us? Uh, let's talk about the time they were living in. Are the Greek gods mad at us? Is Zeus or uh, Ares or whoever God is over there, are they mad at us? Have I done something I shouldn't have done? That's what they might have been thinking. And Jesus is looking at them saying, I understand what you're thinking, but I need you to know one thing. I love you. I love you. So whatever suffering you're going through right now, friend, I just want to tell you, you can suffer well. I love you. Don't quit. Let this suffering cause your faith to grow, not die. Because we have all... You look to your left, you look to your right, you're going to see somebody that's had devastation in their life. You're going to see somebody that's been hurt, had problems, got punched in the face. <laughs> and I've seen people fall away over the smallest little thing. And I'm sure you have too. And I'm not talking about people who get their feelings hurt because somebody didn't shake their hand or, or, or call or come by or whatever. I'm talking about earthquakes of faith here. I've seen people who have gone through earthquakes of faith and fall away, and I've seen others who have gone through the same sort of earthquakes in their faith, and it made them stronger, made them closer to the Lord. They looked at these things that happened and instead of saying, forget God, they said, you know what, we're going to double down on Jesus because I believe God's Word. I believe what Jesus said. I believe He will give me strength to endure and I can't do this on my own. So you see the alternating effects there it can have? One thing I can promise you right now, your story's not done. It's not over yet. It's not finished. We've got greater things coming, and I love that because God's at work in our lives. He's at work even in our questions, guys. Even in our doubts, He's working to help us endure, help us push through whatever it is that's come before us. And, and so many people have gone through so many things. But what I've found in my life, through a strong relationship with Jesus, when I can do nothing, I can endure I can make it through because He's there. He's there with me. Through what my wife deals with every day and looking at other people that have so many physical disabilities and mental disabilities in this world. You know, one thing I've learned through all this is the only real disability that's out there is a bad attitude. <laughs> That'll buckle you. That'll take you out. It don't matter what physical disability you have. You can overcome. You can endure. But when you got a bad attitude, God is here to guide you through the hard places, through the tough spots. And God is going to be with you. He'll be there every single time. And that's such a powerful story to me. We've had people in this church through the prayers of faithful brothers and sisters and the power of God, they've defeated cancer. They've had families. They've defeated sickness. Because... They said, I'm going to take my faith. I'm going to take my trust. And I'm going to put it in you, Jesus. I'm going to put it in you. And whatever the outcome, Jesus, I'm going to let you handle it. It's, your, it's in your hands. I want you to take care of it because you can do a lot more than I can with any of it anyway. 
So whatever it is, I'm going to give it to Jesus and I'm going to trust Him because i got nowhere else to go. Nobody else can help. i got nowhere else to put my trust because I don't want to trust in myself because I mess up. I don't want to trust in the government because I don't want to trust in leaders because they're like me. I can trust in God. I can trust in Jesus. I've got nowhere else to go. I've got nowhere else that's going to last. I trust in You. Above all things, I trust in You. And when you have a relationship with Jesus that can endure, when you have a relationship with Jesus that will grow, then you can, listen, you can endure anything when Jesus is your everything. You can endure anything when Jesus is your everything because once you have Jesus, you have all you need anyway. Whatever you experience, whatever loss you have, whatever suffering you're going through, know this, Jesus can take your suffering and He can redeem it. He can redeem it. What does that mean? Well, let's look at this passage, verse 12. You know, God don't waste your suffering, so don't waste it yourself, okay? He don't waste any pain that we go through. He uses it. And he says in verse 12, talking to the church in Philadelphia there, he says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. <laughs> and he shall go out no more. He'll be shut out no more. He'll be unwelcome no more. He'll be welcome. He can stay all he wants to. A pillar in the temple of God, and he'll never have to leave. Pillars in the temple. Guys, pillars were one thing the church at uh, Philadelphia understood. They knew what pillars were because the earthquakes came and the walls fell and the doors fell and the roofs fell in and all that stuff. But one thing the folks at Philadelphia were able to figure out is how to build sturdy pillars. And they would look across the rubble and they'd see everything falling in, but they'd see the pillars still standing. The foundations of the buildings would split Walls falling, roofs caving, but the one thing that continued was the pillars. And Jesus is telling that church, I'll write your name on the pillar of the temple of God. The thing that you know will stand. The thing that you have seen endure so much hardship. And for this church, when Jesus looked at them and said, I'm going to make you pillars, what they heard was no matter what happens, no matter what life throws at us, no, what, no matter what the world may do to shake our foundations and to quake our lives, we will stand forever because of Jesus. He's taking on our lives. He's going to see us through. We will overcome. Our faith won't just survive. Our faith will thrive because He's going to make us pillars in His temple. We're going to stand strong. Well, what happens is Jesus gets out this chisel and He starts to chisel out in verse 12. I'll write on Him the name of My God, the name of the city of My God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from My God, and I will write on Him My new name. What's all that mean? He writes His name on the pillar. The pillar is you. He writes His name on you. <laughs> Anybody remember when you was a kid, your parents would write your name on stuff? Okay. Why would they do that? So you'd know it was yours, right? And if you lost it, they knew where it belonged, whoever found it, right? Guys, you belong to God. If you're saved, you are His. You're His treasured possession. He has chiseled His name on you. He has promised to take care of you because you're His. And not only do you have the name of God on you, you've got the name of the city of God, New Jerusalem. What's that mean? Well, you know, when you're born here, you're born into a nation. You're born into a country. You're citizens of a country and you're part of that nation. Well, nations rise and nations fall, but the kingdom of God will last forever. We are citizens 
as when, soon as we're saved, we become citizens of the kingdom of God and joint heirs with Christ. We're part of the new Jerusalem. That's God's city. And we have this name etched on our pillar of our own hearts. You've been given names. You may have been given names by the people of this world. Reject. Names like uh, broken, worthless, sorry. That may be what you were hung by on this world, names that were hung on you in this world. But God here gives you a new name. Chosen. Worthy. Blessed. Blameless. Holy. Beloved. Precious. That's the name God gives you. These new names when you're saved. And, and, and guys, these are not just for right now. These are for all eternity as long as the kingdom of God will last. That's what you'll be called. So what we endure here, this suffering here, this pain we're going through here, if nothing else, guys, just know it don't last forever. But the kingdom of God does. It's going to last forever if you're in Christ. And He's going to take you into eternity and you're going to serve and worship Him and enjoy this wonderful heaven that we were created to be in in the first place forever. It's going to last forever, guys. So whatever suffering you're going through, whatever problem you're having in your life, just remember, Jesus has that word. You can endure anything if Jesus is your everything. I can endure anything if Jesus is my everything. And the church at Philadelphia lived in that light. All they were seeing what was going on around them and how their friends and family had rejected them and the country they were living in wanted to kill them and, and, and they were going through all these physical earthquakes but all these emotional and stuff. The, the, the homes were being destroyed but their possessions might have been being devastated but their hearts were being broken too. And they lived through that and they were able to get through all that because Jesus was their everything. And you can too. Their certainty was in Christ. Their certainty was not in what this life threw at them. Their certainty was their rock, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All around them in their lives, whether physically, whether uh, in their actual lives, their homes, spiritually, emotionally, whatever. When they looked around at their life, they may have seen rubble. They may have seen things that are destroyed. But they said, instead, we're going to see ourselves like God sees us. God says we're worth it. God says we're worth everything. And our God, even though things are scarce, our God is a provider. He'll take care of us. He'll be there for us. He'll care for our needs. He's never seen a child of God begging bread, Jesus said. In fact, this little church at Philadelphia that I told you was maybe a two dozen people, you know, it endured for another 1,200 years. 1,200 years this church kept going. Not only that, this church of just a couple dozen people, they didn't hide scared somewhere. They actually uh, were serving in the city that was called the Gateway to the East. Historians believe that church sent the gospel to thousands of people out in India and other countries in that area. That little bitty church that had a little strength had a big impact. And that's what God wants to do with your suffering. He wants to take what little strength you have and transform that strength and take it and, and, and use that little bit of strength you have and He wants to use that little bit of strength and use it to fuel His mission. And when we can get involved in His mission and let Him use what little strength we have and, and wrap it in the strength that He has, we find that we can endure anything if Jesus is our everything. 
Have you experienced Jesus' comfort in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a problem, a suffering? If you have, share that with somebody that's struggling right now that you know. If you're going through it now, if you're struggling right now, I stood before you the whole group today and confessed today. I want to encourage you, confess that to somebody. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Share that with your group. Ask them how, how you can experience Jesus' comfort like they do. Jesus is here to comfort you, and often He uses His very people to comfort one another. But how do we know if we don't know? I really believe this church in Philadelphia was able to last another 1,200 years because they heard Jesus encouraging them. They heard their Heavenly Father speak to them. And then they through Him spoke to other people. And you may be going through a season of suffering right now, and you're trying to just suck it up, saying, oh, I don't need any help. I don't need a prayer. I don't need to meet with a group. I don't need anybody. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And deep down, you know you're not good. You know what Jesus is saying to you this morning? Drop the act. Take the wall down. Be real. Because Jesus wants to comfort you. Jesus wants to use His people to comfort you. To let me encourage you. To let me uh, give you some strength. To let me try to be filling in a gap of some sort of broken heart part of you. He wants to do that. And He might just use somebody here to help you. God has made you a pillar. If you're a child of God, you're a pillar. And He's made you strong enough for this. He's made you strong enough to love. He's made you strong enough to care for people. He's made you strong enough to encourage for people and, and to pray for people and, and, and those that are in your life that need it. He's given you the strength to do that. You, you can do anything if Jesus is your everything. You can endure financial difficulties. You can, if Jesus is your everything, you, can, uh, you know He's going to provide for you and take care of you. You can endure struggles with the kids if Jesus is your everything because He knows. If nothing else, He knows. You can endure health crises. You can endure whatever throat is thrown at you because Jesus is your everything. He wants to carry you through the pain. You can endure. You can trust Him. You can keep going. Don't flee. Hold to Him. What's the Spirit saying to you right now? Can you hear Him? Verse 13, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For some of you today, you might need to hear some encouragement from your Heavenly Father. He's got it for you. Let me just stop trying to hold it together. Stop acting like you got everything under control. Stop trying to be strong because you just got a little strength. He's got all the strength. Throw it all on Jesus. He can take it. Why can we throw it on Him? Why should we throw it on Him? Because He cares for you, the Bible says. And, and some of you, you're just thinking, well, my life's falling apart and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm the one that did it. I made the decision. I did it. I, I messed up. And, and Jesus, you know what He's saying to you? My grace is sufficient for you. I haven't forgotten you either. And even though you messed up, even though you did what you did, I want to give you hope. I want to give you healing. Will you come through the open door and receive it? Maybe you just need to be reminded today that Jesus is with you in your suffering. You look around and you see all this rubble and the brokenness and, and you just need to be reminded of who you are. And what I mean by that is you need to be reminded of how He sees you. How He sees you. We're going to have an invitation as our ushers, as our musicians has come. We're going to open this altar today for folks to come do business with the Lord. I just want to want you to remember, even if you don't feel it, even if all you see around you is rubble and brokenness and things that have fallen apart, 
Jesus is faithful to the end. Amen? Amen. He's faithful. And He's faithful. You can endure anything if Jesus is your everything. And we're going to give you an opportunity to make Him your everything this morning. Let's all stand.